The Hot Nerds Bog is a subscription and advert-free podcast. Please help us keep it that way by either donating or purchasing products from our store. Or alternatively, you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Just follow the link in the description below. Thank you and we hope you enjoyed the show. Welcome to the Hut Near the Bog. The topic of mental health has long been a taboo subject in Irish society, particularly in rural communities. Yet, in recent years, attitudes have begun to change, and this has sparked more of an acceptance and willingness to talk about mental health issues. In this episode, I sit down with integrative and holistic counsellor and director of The Dancing Soul, Olivia Feehan, to understand how these changes have come about and what more we can do to change attitudes towards mental health. Olivia, thanks a million for coming on the hut near the bog. Could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, James. Thank you for having me on. Um, Sure. As you said, my name is Olivia and I have grown up uh, my childhood um, in East Galway um, on the border between Galway and Offaly. And I I have grown up on a farm um, which has influenced um without a doubt how I live my life and my way of being in the world um I would have had my primary education in Clonfort which is in the parish of Mealick Airport and my secondary education in Banagher in County Offaly so yeah that would have influenced as well um my way of being um belonging being part of kind of two different communities um have all influenced um me as a person um I come from a family of six I'm the second oldest um and yeah so I suppose overall my childhood um has been what it was very very good um I as grown as I said I grew up on a farm so a lot of it was spent outdoors um farming and playing and adventure and later on in life I I suppose after school I um would have had a few years where I was trying out different things um I would have started different courses or whatnot and dropped out of them so I had a few years of maybe not really feeling lost as such but trying to find my feet or what I was drawn to and um, I feel very lucky that I had the opportunity to try things and that it was also okay to to stop and to leave them um, when they weren't adding to my life um, and in some cases causing me a lot of stress and anxiety and that I had a family that supported them choices um so I'm very lucky and privileged that I had that freedom and space to to do that and afterwards um after a few years of kind of going through that process I moved to Dublin and I trained as a Montessori teacher and I worked in that for a few years which I really enjoyed and um that I suppose definitely introduced me in some ways to counseling and psychotherapy um because there's so much connected um with our early childhood years and 
So after I trained and worked as a Montessori teacher, I was drawn into the counselling and psychotherapy world and I started my training in with ICPPD based in Athlone and um, yeah that was the start of that journey which in the most beautiful way has turned my life upside down and inside out and put me back together again and I now work um, for myself in private practice and I am director of the Dancing Soul in Athlone which is a holistic and alternative um, centre and I also work as a student counsellor with the college in AIT. One of the things we wanted to achieve in this episode was to talk about uh, to, it, well, we're ta- exactly what I suppose that that critical reflection and that critical thinking that I think is so necessary to to individuals nowadays. But like understanding how mental health uh, att- attitudes towards mental health have changed in Ireland and um, particularly in the last twenty years or so. Um, and I'm wondering, what's your take on that? Do you think that do you think that attitudes towards mental health health have changed, and if so? how yeah so I think definitely like in the last 20 years there has been big shifts big changes um I think in the last like four to five years has probably been the biggest um with regards the conversations we're having the opening of the dialogues um the understanding and hopefully the compassion Um, regards mental health and how everyone has mental health Um, not everyone might have mental health issues but um, yeah I think we've we've come a long way in the last 20 years Um, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done and um, that will hopefully continue being done Um, again that's the the patience piece for me um, with with the pace of the work Um, but yeah I definitely think a lot of work has been done um, more understanding just more conversations um like anxiety and depression mental health ocd bipolar personality disorders like all these words are becoming more and more um integrated into conversations maybe that they weren't um being included before um so yeah even when i like i suppose when i think about like in school for me and it's not to say that it was never mentioned um, or spoken about, but I don't remember mental health ever being talked about. Uh, I don't rem- remember it being spoken about. I definitely didn't have an understanding of it. Um, and I can look back and I can see myself like the anxiety and depression that, that I experienced, but I didn't have like the language or the understanding that this was like, you know, about my mental health. I just thought this was like what it's this is life this is what it is to be to be me so when I think even of the last yeah last 10 years of having very little language to describe how I was feeling how I, how I was thinking um and now knowing what I know the training that I'm training the understanding that I have like that like that's a massive shift within like 15 20 years yep I would 100% agree. I think like, so like, I think this is the other side of growing up in a rural community and it's the downside of it. It's, <clears throat> there's change is slow. Um, and um, like change is slow in the sense that like growing up 
you know, we're a similar age. Um, but growing up in a rural community, in particular, like I found that first off, okay, so there's two things. Like anybody that was kind of open to talking about mental health was probably gone, um, had left and gone to Dublin or London or wherever they've gone, gone all over the world, and they've experienced the world, and that, that opening up has come. Um, I think, and I suppose that's kind of that kind of I suppose in a way bring kind of opens up also how probably attitudes have changed in another sense, but uh, in the sense that people have started to come back, are started coming back, and um, and how the how Irish people going abroad have influenced our attitudes towards mental health. But maybe that's a different discussion. But in terms of t- to bring it back to the rural aspect of it. I think that, like in rural communities, those conversate are very. Um, I found it to be very, um, like it's very monoculture. So it's a very particular way of looking at life, um, and everybody kind of has to subscribe to that way of life. Uh, and not that they have to, but in order to fit in, at least you have to kind of subscribe to this kind of mono uh, culture. Uh, and 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 mental health and discussions around mental health were uh, very much pushed to the the fringes of that and maybe that's a maybe it's something that was all over ireland but at least i think you're you're going to get your most those hardest attitudes would would exist in rural communities uh because of that kind of this the pace of change in terms of how we understand mental health how we can realize that how it's come to the fore as how it's come to the fore as a way of how it's become part of the everyday parlance and before i remember being a teenager and saying you know talking about someone or saying someone had depression or anxiety or they they had by they had, they, were, they were diagnosed with uh, bipolar or ocd or whatever and those people were almost pushed to the limits they were of of those societies because they were seen they were very much othered uh and it's because of that lack of awareness and that dialogue around mental health and realizing that mental health is very much the same as someone who has a, a physical ailment and that's the way it should be treated and that's very much the way it's going but 15 or 20 years ago that very much wasn't the case mm. yeah yeah and even with the I'm thinking again of when you mentioned earlier like the, the traditions that we have and how that can be like a, a positive a positive and a negative you know how we can take on the behaviors of um because of course we can only do what we know you know, so we take on behaviors because we think that's what we're meant to do. We take on roles because that's what we see other people doing. And maybe that opportunity to to question or to see people, as you say, because maybe people that do question move away. Um, so seeing people in our everyday life that kind of quest, question the status quo, question the way we're living and, ha- and bring an open dialogue. Um, I suppose I didn't see a lot of that. It's not to say it wasn't there. It just wasn't um, where I was looking. Um, And how that impacts people in rural areas, you know, that um, it can become claustrophobic in a sense um, if you don't feel like you have space to be curious, you know, about yourself, about your role, about your sexuality, about your friendships, about what you want in life. You know, if you're feeling that you're, okay, so I'm going to go to school, going to go to college, going to get this job, because that's what's been done before and that's what's expected. It's like, 
you know, does that actually suit me? Have I even checked in to see, is that what I want? Is that what I desire? Is that what excites me? You know, so I think that's, that questioning hopefully is starting to happen a little bit more. Um, but it definitely like in school, um, my experience anyway, because I knew I didn't want to go to third level education, but I felt at a loss because I was like, well, what am I meant to do? You know, what am I meant to do? Because I don't, I'm not hearing any other conversations. Yeah. So I, I'm, it's, a, it's that sense of, di- it's diversity effectively. Like that's, mm-hmm. that seems to be um, a, a, a root, a, one of the roots maybe, and maybe you agree or disagree with me, but like, I, I suppose I'm trying to understand what's that mechanism that's allowed change. So obviously there's an external conversation that's happening. So like the world is changing, social media has changed the world, um, you know, the, the rise of social media. And that's obviously that brings its own unique set of problems, but it has also, uh, can be liberating in many ways in the sense that it brings, it connects people all over the world with uh, differing points of views and you can meet people virtually in a way that you were never able to before. And that uh, has an effect on the on, on these communities and on communities in Ireland and has brought this conversation forward. That's certainly one aspect of it. Um, but also I think, I feel like there's that kind of, there's more diversity in communities now than there was mm-hmm. even 15 years ago. And I, I find that like even so people are able to be open about their sexuality, they're able to be open about their mental health and that's healthier, you know, that's really healthy. Um, so I suppose like, so in, in philosophy, particularly in continental philosophy, there's kind of this whole idea of the other, like what role does the other shape? How do they shape us and how do we shape them? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think about like Derrida and I'm thinking about even, I mean, I'm thinking about psychoanalytic theory and stuff like that and how that's shaped with continental philosophy. But there's very much like how we tend to other. So we other immigrants, we other and others, it can be a negative term in the sense that we we push people to the to, to the to the to their liminal, they're existing on the edges of, of our society. So sometimes it's immigrants, uh, sometimes it's people from a different faith or from with a different skin color or you know it can it can be all those aspects but then it can also be people with mental health difficulties or people with you know different uh, uh, you know with uh, uh, they might be they might be um, polyamorous or they might they could also have uh, they could be queer queer in the sense that they're open to exploring various different types of sexuality or their sexuality isn't fixed so that's mm-hmm. the that's the way I mean queer not in that kind of negative connotation of queer. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they might be homosexual or they might be whatever. And the point is, is that people, um, I feel that like, okay, change is not, you know, change is happening, change is slow. And there's very much a lot of negativity still around in and discrimination and things like that. That's always, you know, that's going to be part of life. But I feel that uh, the, these spaces have opened up again in that, even in rural communities, that they're more diverse nowadays. And it's not that those people weren't, it's not that, like, okay, a lot of people moved away and went away, but also those people were always there in some sense or shape or other. But the conversation, the the spaces have opened up within society to allow those people now to reveal themselves. But also that helps change attitudes because it's like, once you know someone, you're like, oh, 
Mary, sure, Mary, I love Mary. Mary's a lovely person, you know. Uh, she's got um, bipolar. What? Sure, like that's just part of life. Like mm. it doesn't mean that Mary is. We should value Mary any less as a person because she has a mental health uh, ailment, um, or you know, whoever has. And uh, we find out that you know. So that's kind of. It's on one hand, it's an opening up from society, and in other, it's also at an individual level. We know people who have who have experienced mental health issues and and that helps that helps normalize it i think does that make sense absolutely because when it does feel or when we get a sense that it's the outside world you know it's it's it can be hard to relate to it you know whether that's happening over there or they're like this over there or that's the way they live over there or the way they dress over there when we actually see like daily representations um, of these people, whether it's mental health issues or their sexuality or how they like how they dress, you know, being comfortable to dress the way you actually want to, not the way you think you should. And when we see people living authentically for themselves, not only does this, oh, sure, you know, she's... Um, you know, she's, she's lesbian and she's also, you know, I like her, like she's all right. Um, or she has depression and yeah, no, like sure. She, she's lovely. Like she's my friend. It normalizes it and also gives other people the permission to maybe, how would it be for me to live authentically for my life? So it's such a gift when someone lives their life for them when someone breaks free of the old belief systems or the expectations or the assumptions um and sometimes you know it's a an expectation that we can put on ourselves sometimes it's something that we think we should put on ourselves sometimes it's from family sometimes it's from our friends um or sometimes it's from the community and when someone has the courage to be themselves and live their life authentically from that for them not only is it a gift to them but it's a gift to everyone because you know there's always people watching there's always people observing there's always people waiting for permission can I do the same Uh, if they can do it I can do it if they can say their truth I can do mine so it's such a gift to ourselves when we can but it's also such a gift to the world absolutely yeah, yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly, and I think that's a lovely way of putting it. Um, yeah, so I try to understand, you know, aspects of mental health, how it's changed. I mean, one example that stands out to me, I think, and I mean, it's obviously it's not to conflate the two things because obviously they're completely separate. But there's a in terms of that, it again comes back to that othering of people. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, that we tend to push people to to the to to the edges of society um the diversity now that has come into that underpins there's a kind of a diver, there's a so it's an identity politics or that idea of small uh communities or small um these these people who are traditionally other coming together as a kind of forming alliances uh to 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 change things so like you have the lgbtq or you know you've got people that uh, and this intersectionality so it's uh mm-hmm. the idea that um you're able to cut across so you might be from different communities, you might have different, you might be a, a minority, you might be part of a minority that's completely different to another minority. So you could be, uh, um, you could be a, a Muslim from Sudan or from 
Somalia um, living in Ireland as a as a I, I maybe coming came across as a maybe as a refugee or someone who's come into the country through you know asylum as an asylum seeker and has settled or whatever and you could that could be your 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 way of viewing life could be completely different to someone who's grown up in in uh, someone who's grown up in in D4 or South Dublin uh, from a, a fairly wealthy middle class background uh, but all that person might have might be still part of a, a minority group in either it might be their sexuality or it might be their 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 mental health or it, whatever it is uh, but that sense of intersectionality that you're able to cut across and find commonality and then form an alliance on that basis whereby you're able to take on the kind of the dominant views of society, so what we call the hegemony of society, and um, that that how that's changed Ireland as well. How that's changed attitudes, like because it's obviously it's not just attitudes to mental health have changed; it's attitudes to lots of things that have changed. But um, in in this context, I think like that's played a significant role as well. That kind of smaller finding commonality. In in amongst minorities, that uh, there's a common battle to be fought. Does that does that resonate in any way? Absolutely, and I think when we really like look at it, when we we're caught, we call it the minor minority, but really, I, I I suppose I get a sense that the minority is actually the majority. You know that there are so many that so many people that you know don't feel like they fully fit in. Um, or that they fully, you know, that there's something else maybe that they that they would like to explore or that they would like to do, like to try, but they kind of feel a little bit caught. And often I'm like, oh, maybe the minority is actually the majority, but we just believe that that is the other way around. Um, and I think with like how culture has changed over the last, um, we say like 20 years and with more voices being heard, and diverse voices being heard how it gives us an opportunity to pause and to reflect on our own behaviors you know our own judgments um how we are showing up in the world and how we are treating other people and like when we you know within the therapeutic relationship that's like one of the the main aspects of the work you know we can come into a session thinking oh them oh I know and our fingers pointing out and them they're the issue she did this he did this and it's okay I'm hearing that I'm hearing that and let's bring that attention back in here let's bring the focus back in um you know how is that for you and what is your role in this and really that opportunity to become aware of how we are and also if there's personal responsibility that needs to be taken like how am I showing up in the world um or am I expecting other people to do all the work for me what what am I giving am I am I just talking am I giving out the whole time um am I oh there's so much litter all over the place well am I picking up any litter am I doing anything to help this you know um oh there's so much bullying well, do I ever use my voice or do I ever check in on anyone? So it gives us that, it's it's great to become aware of the issues and also there's that opportunity to, well, what is my responsibility in this? Because I'm also a member of society or am I waiting for someone else to do all the work? Absolutely. Um, so I'm just thinking about what you refer to as the minority being the majority and uh, and that sense of trying to 
question. And I suppose that brings us to another, that brings us to the next point or the next question in a way. Um, before we go to that question, I suppose. So basically everything is philosophy. Every, all of these changes and everything that's happened, these are all concepts that underpin their ways of thinking about the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of this is rooted back into like the early Greeks and 2000 years ago to Plato and Aristotle and all those things where all, all these conversations started taking place then about how we organize society, how, how, how is the best way to, to, to serve man. And literally it was man, not woman, man. Right. And that's, of course, that's completely sexist and, and wrong, but that's, that was unfortunately the way it was. Um, I suppose my it's it comes back to this systemization of thinking. So it's about creating something that's easy and understandable. And even from a psychological perspective, it's like heuristics. So it's a way of thinking about making things as easy as possible to think about the world. And the easiest way to do that is to have one system, one way of thinking. And um, but but that like effectively, there's kind of this inherent. Uh, trait in man in human uh, to systematize things and to have a system and a way of thinking and that's the way to organize ourselves in order to facilitate cooperation and moving forward and that has been beneficial in that sense that it's obviously allowed us to move forward into like the enlightenment period and into the industrial revolution and then into you know into the society we have today and that people live longer and all those kind of things but that systemization uh, in doing in that systemizing of the world and society you lose that sense of diversity and that's so there's there's two sides of it like in a sense that we are uh, we, it's great that we can organize systems and make things uh coherent and uh, uh it allows us to 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 have innovation and all that kind of things but it loses that sense of diversity at the end and it's it's uh, uh, the, so what i'm trying to say is that you're talking about the minority being the majority. And of course, and the reason for that is because the majority is just that majority view is just a way of thinking about the world that has become hegemonic uh, and has, but, and that has its benefits in that, as I've I've alluded to, like innovation, industrial revolution, longer lifespans, uh, you know, uh, advances in agriculture, all those kind of things, which are good things in to, to, to some degree. But at the same time, in a, in a, from a social societal perspective, then that kind of imposing of one view on the world, that kind of heteronormative uh, uh, nucle- nucle- nuclear family uh, view, um, that's the world that was imposed through that systemization of humanity. But uh, of course, it, it makes total sense because people are diverse and we all have different views and we're all individuals and we have different ways of experiencing the world. And uh, it's that kind of pushing back against that systemization. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that resonates at all. Um, Absolutely. And even as you're like, you know, when I listen to you speak, it's such masculine energy, isn't it? You know, well, that, the, you know, the. Well, well, the way I'm speaking or the way... Oh, no, 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 what you're describing. No, no, what, oh, yeah, what you're yeah. describing, you know, and that, you know, it's so, like, logical, you know, yes. but we're so much more than that. You know, yes. as human beings, we're so complex, we're contradicting, we're messy. And when we're when we try and live so rigid, it goes against the natural grain of who we are. Do you know, like, I'm even thinking about, just as you were speaking, um when I was I I did this course I was attempted to do this course I was two weeks in and I was so unhappy and I was just you know this is not for me I was just really upset about it and 
I knew my intuition was telling me, get out. You are not happy here. But on paper, it was like, well, why, why are you not happy? Like, this is, this is perfectly fine. Um, like logically just go do the work, come home. And, um, like after a couple of years, you'll be qualified and you can move on then to a job. So that's logically, okay, go do that. But I'm more than just my logic. I am this human being and I was unhappy. I was feeling unhappy. I was feeling stressed out. And my intuition was telling me, get out, get out of here. You're not, you're not okay. So when we, when we're only thinking in one form, um, and of course, like everything has, like the logic is important too, but that we are more than that as humans. And when we create a system that is only based on, on the logic, it's, we're just, we're missing out on so much so much else you know and um and how like we can see now how that system doesn't work or it does work but for a very small portion of society yes absolutely yeah and and so just an, another point and i promise this is my last my last one but uh basically so it's like so the other thing then is is like is that's why i find it that you know you meant you refer to the, the holistic approach to counseling but it's also so uh, a long tradition of thought in philosophy, as well as the separation of mind and body. And uh, mm. that goes back to, to Plato and then also the guy called Rene Descartes. Descartes. Uh, so the idea that, so cogito ergo sum. So I think therefore I am. And it's the only thing I can be sure of is the fact, because I'm because I think that's the only thing I can be sure of, right? That's the only kind of knowledge I know I can have. That's the only fundamental foundational knowledge I can have. And so it's this kind of, so it's this movement in philosophy to remove our bodies from ourselves and just think that this, the cognitive aspect of us, that logical aspect of us is the only, that's the only thing that's really of importance, right? And uh, it's amazing how, so that, that has come to inform the way we think about the world as well, because it's like trusting, not trusting that intuition, not trusting your body, not realizing that first off, you don't separate body and mind because body and mind aren't two separate things. They're the same thing. We're a holistic uh, we're we are one being ex- and situated within this world and um we have to trust all aspects of ourselves and that includes from the tips of our toes to 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 our to our brains as well and when you're referring to that intuition your your body's telling you mm-hmm. that uh that that this isn't this isn't the right thing to do uh but uh, because there's this emphasis emphasis on logic mm-hmm. and this movement towards systemization and that's something that is, I agree with you that it's very masculine, but at the same time, it comes to inform how everyone thinks because we're, we're told for, a, we're almost, we're told society tells us this is the right way to do it. Our brains, our minds, and not our minds, but like, because I see the mind as all one thing in the sense the body and mind are the one thing, but uh, our, 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 our cognitive aspect of who we are is telling us this mm. is the right thing to do. Logically, it's the right thing to do, but our, our body is telling us, that's not the right thing to do. So it's it's that separation, this uh, unorganic separation of body and mind as well, which has come to inform all that stuff. Anyway, it's that's definitely gone down a rabbit hole. So let's <laughs> let's. No, but I think it's really it's really important actually because and I, I'll make this quick. But um, the like when working with clients, you know, like we all primarily work from one our either our mind, our heart, or our body we all primarily work from one so we all know people in our lives who are very logical we all know people who wear heart, their hearts on their sleeves and we all know people who 
do now, think later, you know, very much from the gut. And primarily we all work from one and that's okay. But it's also that we can use the other parts so that the logic is important. If I, you know, if I wear my heart on my sleeve and, um, you know, it's getting me into emotional situations that I'm just like, oh, I keep making the same pattern, same behaviors. It's okay. So how can we bring in the mind and bring in the body to support the heart? It's about get that integration piece. And again, that holistic, that you're not just your mind, you're not just your feelings and you're not just your, your body either. And the more we can align them together, hopefully the more, um, the better we are, um, or the more that we can enjoy life and make decisions best, um, best for us that support us. Mm, no, absolutely. That's, uh, 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 that's uh, I, I I think that's a, a a lovely way of of putting it, and um, I I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so there's kind of I suppose again that feeds into that kind of this this idea that we are where we are today in terms of that um, the society we're in and that kind of you know the minority actually being the majority, but yet I think and maybe I'm wrong. But I think that, you know, for all of our movement towards diversity and, uh, you know, different ways of thinking about the world, there still seems to be, uh, you know, stigma against or uh, around mental health. And would you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, and, mm. and, and, and what, uh, maybe if you want to elucidate a bit and then I suppose to, just to add to that, what, you know, is there, what do you think is the most effective way to combat that stigma? Yeah, so we definitely have come far um, and there is still a lot of stigma there. Um, sometimes I get the sense that it's still surface, um, that it, you know, we will say it's okay not to be okay. And yet when someone comes to us, it's like, oh, you know, stay away from me. No, thanks. Don't know what to do with that. And that's not anyone's fault. Um it, it merely could just be like la- when we think of like how to combat it I'm wondering okay yeah so like it always comes back to education you know um, like education not just for schools but for families for the communities um, education of how to empathize with someone you know empathy like okay so you know how you're telling me you um, are feeling this way like how is that for you what is that like tell me about your world for so many of us our natural instinct is I need to fix this. Like what, what will I do again? We're thinking logically, you know, we're like, okay, this is a problem. What am I going to do to fix it? And that's okay. You know, that's one way, but for so many people, it's just using their voice, the opportunity to share what's going on for them, being held in a space, in a safe space, that they can express what's going on, that they can give it a voice without necessarily um, getting an answer. Um, the answer may come, but it may be a while. So I think communication skills and being able to actually listen, listening to connect, um, listening to understand instead of listening to respond. That's that's a big one. Um, being able to empathize taking the pressure off you know we don't have to have all the answers we don't have to fix this we can hold the space you know we can refer on to a professional 
we don't have to fix this right now. We go into panic mode. And, and I get it because it can be scary when someone comes that, you know, that you love or that you care about and they're in pain and we want to help them. We want to take this pain away from them, but it's their pain. It's their, it's their issues. And they're coming to, to us with, with this. They're, they're trusting and it takes so much courage to share. It takes so much courage to voice what's going on, especially if you're not actually sure what's going on and what a privilege it is to hold that space and to take the pressure off. I need to, I need to fix this or, um, coming in with advice, you know, um, we don't have to give advice, you know, it's okay just to listen and to, to talk it out, um, and to hold that space. So I don't know if you, if I've gone off a little bit there. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I, I, I like that individual level. It's, it's, it's a, a an excellent way of thinking about it, and mm. and and maybe there's a, a way of thinking about it at that broader societal level as well. Like it's a way of uh, thinking about the, the the rural community I live in, and then general, like obviously, you should never generalize, but like it's an, at least a, a good starting point. Um, because of course things change in your 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 way of thinking and and there's variances and um, but at least at that kind of that 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 societal level, if you think about it at 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 your own experiential level first and what you see and how you interpret that, and yeah, I don't know, like I think a lot of stigma still exists around mental health. Um, unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. I still think like certain aspects of mental health have become very acceptable, so I think anxiety depression ocd i think they're kind of very much they're seen as normal normal mental health um issues they're kind of there's there's aspects of mental health that have been normalized and i still think there's aspects that haven't mm-hmm. uh so like people who i still think like and maybe i'm wrong and you and, and please just feel free to disagree with me as, as i've said before but like i still think things like bipolar um I still think things like uh, things like bipolar, people with personality disorders, those kind of things are still very much. They're still things that very much exist on the the liminal aspects of of society. And and I, I I'm trying. I think that people who experience those difficulties are still very much pushed pushed towards the limits mm-hmm. uh, or to, to the edges. Uh, so I think like whilst we've moved forward in many ways, I still think there's a lot like a lot to do. So and I suppose it's a, it always comes back to that fear of the unknown. We don't really understand these things. And maybe it's because they're less common. I don't know. Are they less common? I don't know, like you, you, whether they are or not. But would you do you think there's something in that? Would you agree with that? Or do you think that like so I suppose what I'm trying to say is if I was to, to reframe it is like there's been this movement towards um you know, definitely that mental health has become more open and more open discussion and it's become more accepted that people experience mental health difficulties that like, mo- like it's very common, mm-hmm. but then it's almost that there are certain aspects of mental health which have become acceptable. And then there are certain aspects of mental health which haven't become acceptable. Does mm-hmm. that? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's complicated um, because yeah, even within like anxiety and depression, it's virgin on like, I suppose, nearly being cool. 
you know um mm. you know I have anxiety and it's only like a byline now and while on one hand it's so like it's so wonderful that the language is being used that people feel okay to express this and to share this it offers um it's com in that it's complicated um you know, so if I see on social media that this person has depression and I'm looking at how they look and, okay, so they're talking about their depression and, you know, they, they seem kind of, they still look good. They're like wearing nice clothes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm taking in like their whole life. I'm like, oh, okay, I have depression as well. And, you know, I'm barely able to shower. Like I'm, I'm not in a place to, I don't look like that. Um, I can barely get out of bed and it can send these like confusing messages. Um, so even with regards like anxiety and depression, although it's great that people are speaking about it, there's just a whole other area of, well, how come I, like, how come they can look like that with Dave's depression when I look like shit? Mm -hmm. You know, so even within them, which the language is, everything's accessible, but it, it's still it's still complicated um because we're comparing um so like yeah as you said earlier social media has offered like so much and it can also like comparing and the self-esteem self-worth body image um it offers a whole other area and that's even before then as you know as you were saying like with bipolar personality disorders um yeah, they're not spoken about uh, as much. Um, they're not maybe as acceptable. And maybe this comes back to like the pace, again, the pace at which we're going at, um, the pace at which we're allowed, you know, slowly come into all, all this language, um, not too much change too quickly, you know, whereas in reality, well, there's still people, um, whether we're at the pace or not, there's still people living with bipolar, living with personality disorders, um, and they're waiting for us to to catch up, you know, and that there is an element of that that's very, very unfair. And and yet here we are, you know, and it's like, oh, and yet we still have come so far. So it's it's complex. Um, it, it can be slow. I feel it's slow. Um, maybe for other people, they feel like it's too fast. Um, oh, so much is changing so quickly depending on your perspective, depending on how the world suits you. You know, if you're, if you're in a place where you're comfortable with not having these conversations or it, it, it's uncomfortable to have them, then maybe you're like, well, this pace is actually just grand. Um, but again, of course, if we know people or we're living that experience, I'm assuming that it's going to be like, oh, come on, like, hurry up, will you catch on? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, that's a, a very interesting take like so so on the one hand we have a situation where these things have become more acceptable and that's brilliant because of course that's what we need we need these things to be out in the open we need to be people to be able to openly talk about these things because that will help other people um but then at the same time then it, it in in some instances and it's and everyone has experiences things differently but certainly we can say that there might be a small minority of people who kind of hijack these things and then use them to their own advantage from uh and maybe i'm wrong in that sense and i definitely don't want to because it's a sensitive topic and i'm afraid that i'd say something that might hurt someone um but like 
so people abuse it then like they abuse some people it's and i would say it's a minority like but it's it's some people at least abuse that because what they do is is they go online they say oh i have this or i have that then they look wonderful they're presenting the best side of themselves that confuses people even further because they're saying well this is this is very different to my experience Mm. and again again like ultimately i think that comes back to the systemization you know i was talking about the systemization our way of like making things simple for us to understand but like social media is exactly that like Mm. it's it's a systemized way of interacting with people in a virtual space so therefore see see what my my point is is that when we simplify things we lose diversity so there's this what there's this way of communicating with people and it has it's brought a lot of benefit but it's brought a lot of negative as well so the negative of course is that it's everybody just presents the most positive aspects of their life on social media people don't share their deepest dark darkest secrets on social media because it's it's so rooted in the public sphere in and 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 there's that fear of you know you, you you'd be just you wouldn't share that stuff i mean some people do but that can be detrimental to people's mental health as well because people because it it, it it's so disjointed with their lived experience of their own mental health struggles so that's one side of it and then the other side of it as well is is that society is not changing as quickly as it ought to or as we would like it to or people who experience mental health difficulties would like it to um and i think that's really interesting and i and i think i really agree with that um is that kind of <laughs> so how do we so on the one hand we have stigma and on the other hand we have this uh we could call it a this um glamorization uh, glamorization exactly or idealization was another mm-hmm. word that was coming yeah. mind of of mental health as in it's 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 some some mental health ailments particularly anxiety depression uh which are very real and i know because i have like i have anxiety and i have and i i suffer with depression at times but particularly anxiety is is my one um um is are very real and and can be very horrible but um at the same time it's this glamorization is not helpful either mm-hmm. so that's the other thing we have to, to reckon with so that's mm-hmm. but that's more of a that's kind of it then on one hand then it's more of a thing that's coming as a result of change so this is the, the and I, that's the thing with with change like uh we think progress is progress but often progress like sometimes progress isn't progress at all but uh even when it is progress it, it brings it all it brings everything brings a unique set of problems with it so it's just an, a problem that it's good to acknowledge this problem and something that uh, then is then how do we i suppose the question is is how do we how do we combat that mm. the, the the stigma around mental health i think i think it's it's changing i think it's going to come i think it's it's going to come i think like people who do experience other mental health ailments. I think the conversation will change around that. I think it will come eventually, but change is very slow. And I wonder how do we, we hasten that change? And then how do we, we acknowledge at the same time Then we have to acknowledge the problems that are going to come with that as well. I think that's, that's fundamentally what it is. Is it, you know, acknowledging the unique. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah. I'm just even, um, I'm thinking about a a conversation I had with a, with a colleague, um, recently and, um, how accessible therapy has has come and um how it's becoming again you know more frequent that people are are going to therapy and how wonderful that is that's just so important and at the same time there's also this kind of 
therapy is cool. Therapy has become cool. And for me, that's really interesting. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. Because therapy is really hard work. Um, you know, that's... 100% agree. Yeah, so it's like, okay, yeah, therapy therapy can be cool. And it's really hard work. It's commitment. It's, you know, it can be really dark. It can be really heavy. Um, so it's like, how can we hold space for both? Um, that I don't know if there's one answer. And I think definitely in our society right now, like everything is so polarized. So we're either on this side or this side. When we have all of this space in the middle, and I think we're probably bouncing from one side to the other like quite a lot. So it's how can we hold space for, for both? And for me, the most important thing is, okay, let's just keep the conversation open. Let's keep the dialogue open. Um, no matter what side you're on or how your how your belief it, what your belief may be about it, how can we keep the conversation going? Because the fact the conversation is open right now is essential and it's to for me it's to keep that going without necessarily knowing how exactly to combat it or maybe that's the combating it in itself um keeping the conversation the dialogue open mm-hmm. yeah well and i think i think ultimately you know i think it's 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 exactly it's more important that the conversation that, that we're having a conversation that it's open and out there yeah, it's like look, every every situation brings its unique set of problems, and mm-hmm. it's something we just have to be cognizant of. And maybe it's a, it's about like the fear is that if you if you if you start chastising people for doing that, then first off, well, it's too easy to do that, and then kind of realize that okay, this person might have depression, and they might actually have really bad anxiety, but this is just the way they present themselves. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the other danger. It's like you don't want to, you know you know chastise someone and tell them why are you doing that like it's you're creating like you you're you're not you're not respecting other people's lived experience and, and then but doing that doesn't respect their experience either so it's it's a really it's a really delicate thing and i think perhaps it's 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 good that people should be aware that like it's more so i think it's it's a it's a question of uh the things we say and do in every walk of life and understanding how that can affect other people mm. um but at the same time, I, I don't want it to become a case of censorship where like, we're like, don't say this, don't do that. You know, so it's it's just a comp- it's the complexity of life, isn't it? Um, but again, I, I think, sorry, and go ahead. No, I just, on that, it's like, if someone looks really well, like, and they're experiencing depression, good for them. Like, absolutely. And it's not to demonize that in, in any way, shape or form. It's just, I think, and I think by having this conversation, it's naming it. It's, it's not the only, it's not the only way, you know, we're, as with social media, we're seeing one filter and, and, you know, we don't know what's going on behind them, them cameras and screens. And it's just so important um, that we're not, we don't need to be taken on more. Like if we're already feeling depressed or low moods, low energy, um, anxious, and now we're also going to take on oh, that person looks really good and they're experiencing this. I'm not good enough. You know, it's to look at our relationship then maybe with this. Maybe I don't need this right now. Um, If I can't have a healthy relationship, it's that personal responsibility because you're right. Like people have the right to live their life. You know, like if they look really good and have depression, you know, that's their right to do that, to be that way. Um, So yeah, you're so right in naming that. Um, That isn't... um, that is definitely not the way to, that we want to be going about this. 
Yes, and so I think again it comes back down to the, the power we have as individuals. So like, mm. so like that. So like for me, like uh, on a personal level, like I was very turbulent. Like you knew me in school, I was fairly turbulent. Then I was very turbulent uh, for for a lot of reasons, and uh, like you know. But the, the big thing I learned was about being able to be critical uh, about the world around me, and being able to first of all take responsibility for myself, but also being able to question things and understand that just because there's a particular way of doing things doesn't mean that's the right way of doing things, right? And so if I so again we can take that we can if that's just critical thinking, like so for like I know it might be easy to say this, but like. I suppose it's like someone who's experiencing depression or anxiety or whatever mental health ailment they're experiencing. Um, it's about emphasizing the point to them at an individual level. Well, they have the power to question. They have the power to question everything they see. So if they see something on social media and say that that doesn't reflect my experience, that doesn't mean that your experience is invalid. And uh, um, it just, you know, that just might be the way that person's experienced it. So it's, you as an individual also have the power to question what other people do and exactly what you're talking about, uh, there was a term you used, I can't remember exactly, it's about, uh, I, I don't, I, I, it was a particular term you used about, I can't remember what the term is now, but um, yeah, just, just seeing that like, it's about an awareness around social media, it's an awareness of that people, everyone experiences things differently and that I, it is, I, it can be detrimental, but an awareness of that uh, uh, for people who are experiencing mental health difficulties, that at least is one way of, of combating that as well I think I don't know mm. if that makes sense absolutely and that's one of the gifts of, of going to counseling or therapy is that we can inquire and be curious around what are my relationships to the different things in my life so if it's my relationship to social media is that supporting me right now um could I do with a break from it what is my responsibility in my relationship to social media right now and really owning that um you know for ourselves it doesn't mean that it's permanent decision it just means maybe right now I could do with a pause from this or I need to pause this like this friendship for me right now isn't good or I need to take I need to put in some boundaries with some members of my family because I really need to mind myself right now Mm -hmm. um I suppose that's one of the, the gifts of therapy that we can inquire what actually supports you and the choices around um around them supports and how we can put them in place I'm just wondering, is there any professional or personal wisdom that you would like to share with the Hut Near the Bog listeners? Um, I think what's coming up for me now, as you say that question, would be compassion. Um, compassion for ourselves, um, like true self-compassion for the messiness of being human and compassion for other people. Um, everyone is doing their best there everyone is only ever able to do their best and our best looks very different at different times individually and um yeah just to to remember that when we when we remember that you know if I think of okay so he's really annoying me right now um but if I remember oh well he's doing his best right now this is his best right now it opens up that compassion and when we can have that compassion for ourselves and we can when we can have it for other people, it is a really beautiful thing. Um, so, yeah, I always come back to self-compassion and then compassion for others. Absolutely beautiful way to, to finish. And I think compassion is, uh, I again, I, I resonate greatly with that. Olivia, I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Um, and uh, thanks a million for coming on the, the Hut Near the Bog. 
absolute pleasure. Thank you, James. Hi, folks. We really hope you enjoyed that episode. To find out more about Olivia and the Dancing Soul, do follow the links in the description. And please do consider supporting us by either donating or purchasing something from our store. See you next time. Bye.